Hey everyone, welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. This is digital editor Al Lunsford from Lynx, joined by Joe Passoff as always. Joe, I just got back, um, what was it, yesterday I guess now, uh, from a trip to preview Cabot St. Lucia in the Caribbean on the island of St. Lucia. Uh, and if you haven't heard, here's kind of the deal. Cabot, obviously we, we know um, Cabot Cape Breton was the first property from this golf development group, uh, head up by Ben Cowan Dewar. Uh, that now uh, is well known for its courses, Cabot Cliffs uh, and Cabot Links, the original course there, uh, as being two of the top courses in Canada. Since then, things have snowballed significantly. Uh, they've bought Castle Stewart in Scotland. They're redeveloping World Woods uh, near Orlando, Brooksville, Florida. Um, what am I missing? They have a property that they're developing in British Columbia called Cabot Revelstoke Mountain Course there in Canada and in St. Lucia. They are in the works, in the process of Bill Corr and Ben Crenshaw's first Caribbean design, an 18-hole course there on the south side of St. Lucia. So that course, now set to open December 1, 2023, is the date that they are targeting, is getting very close. So they invited the likes of myself and other media down to preview the course. Uh, Bill and Ben were there. Ben Cowandur was there. Uh, some of their associates, Trevor Dormer, uh, who you will hear later on this episode of the podcast. I sat down with him for about an hour. Um, it's a long interview, but I strongly encourage you to listen to the whole thing because it's endlessly fascinating. Um, Trevor's journey, the way he thinks about golf course design and construction, gets really, really deep, really philosophical. We talked after the episode about how, you know, you just can't get this kind of train of thought going. Um in a, in an article or just a you know a social media post or something like that it it takes that long form type of, type of conversation to get some of these thoughts out of his head so it was a very fun talk with Trevor but um what we did Joe is you know I flew down you fly into the north side of the island where the international airport is from there it's either an hour and a half by uh shuttle or 10 minutes up in the chopper. So we did the ladder, uh, my third helicopter ride ever. Does not get uh, less nerve-wracking up there, especially when you're driving through a, uh, a rain cloud. Uh, Joe, you ever been up in a helicopter, actually, before I continue? I have, Al, yes. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, not for the faint of heart, for sure. So get to to st lucia you know start to have uh we have dinners with the entire team do some interviews um it's funny i there's a article that we're going to reference in our conversation today it's from our spring issue about bill core and ben crenshaw it, is this their prime have they even reached their prime yet which is kind of an interesting thing to think about that uh one of our contributors tony deer put out there but uh, Trevor Dormer's quoted and, and talks about, you know, when Bill and Ben are on site, they put everyone at ease. 
uh, on their team. He says, even at the client dinners, um, you know, the conversations are rarely about the project, you know, after you get the, you know, standard media interviews out of the way, uh, which is so true. Ben Crenshaw was sitting at the, the end of my table and how else would I have known that he's a Starbucks freak? He loves his cup of coffee from Starbucks. Uh, I asked him if he'd been out in the Caribbean and, and gone fishing. He said, no, of course not. I don't saltwater fish. I'm only a bass fisherman. So he's a freshwater fish guy. And then he gave us an antidote uh, when the course did come up about um, it starts, Cabot St. Lucia starts with a par five, short par five. And uh, Crenshaw liked this uh, because one of his um, people he looks up to in the architecture industry is George Thomas. And George Thomas liked to start with a far, uh, start with a par five, um, almost like a gentle handshake type of introduction to the property. It's something that they've done elsewhere too. Um, Cheap Ranch comes to mind, first of all, for me. But uh, yeah, so we viewed the property and, you know, I haven't been everywhere. I've been to a lot of golf courses in my life. There's nothing like this site that I've ever seen. Um, it's extremely steep. You know, it's basically blasted from a volcano and the earth uh, naturally... I guess looked great for a golf course to a lot of people. Um, Jack Nicholas had put a routing there at one point. Johnny Miller had put a routing there at one point, and those never came to fruition. But uh, what Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw saw and ultimately laid out are nine greens on the ocean uh, from 50 feet above on a cliff to um, five feet to the ocean at your feet. Uh, they have it all on the spectrum there. Uh, you can, at any point on the course, any hole on the course, there is a vantage point to the ocean. Uh, so technically, you can see, you can't see it at, at all times, but you can see the ocean from every single hole, which is another incredible thing. Um, a lot of comparisons will obviously be drawn to the fantastic Oceanside layouts across the world. Uh, the seventh hole is a short par three out to a peninsula. Kind of reminded Ben Crenshaw of uh, the seventh hole at Pebble Beach. The 16th is going to draw a lot of comparisons probably to Cypress Point. 16th, just for the way it's organized. Um, a carry shot over a bay to a, a green uh, on another peninsula jutting out into the ocean. You know, there's a lot of good reasons why it's going to be compared to places. You know, it may not necessarily be, you know, as good as Cypress Point, but the setting is definitely as good as Cypress Point, in my opinion. Um, and don't just take my word for it. I mean, Bill Core himself said it was the most spectacular, uh, visually spectacular setting for golf he's ever worked on. So, um that, I think, said a lot coming from him. Um, of course, we got to uh, see a lot of the island as well and, and do a lot of the things on St. Lucia. When you're not playing golf on St. Lucia, you have a lot to do, um, depending on the resort you're staying in. I think 
Cabot St. Lucia's golf course is one of two 18-hole golf courses on the island. The Sandals Resort has the other one. I think there's a nine-hole course elsewhere, so not much in the way of golf. But um, we had a good week staying at the Body Holiday Resort and went and visited uh, Sugar Beach, which is another very popular honeymoon destination. I learned after taking a picture and getting messages on Instagram from friends and say, that's where I spent my honeymoon. That's one of the my favorite places on earth. Uh, it's wildly gorgeous right there between the Piton Mountains. Um, so the long and short of it, Joe, is, you know, I got to spend a lot of time with Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw for the first time ever. Uh, they raved about this place. Uh, it's hard to believe what you're seeing and that there could be a golf course there. The takeaway for me is that, you know, visually, I've never seen a golf course like this. Um, you had some time with Bill and Ben over the years as well. Um, can you describe, you know, just spending time with them and, and seeing them on site at a golf course as it's being built? I think that's something you've done before as well. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, it's intriguing. And Any architect worth his salt who's getting paid, you know, to do something uh, has a client that would like you to come out and say, what a site, you know, what a golf course this is going to be. I mean, that dates all the way back to old Tom Morris. The good Lord intended this to be a golf course. Having said that, you know, Bill and Ben are two of the most low-key, incredibly well-respected by both peers, critics, everybody else. They're not prone to hyperbole. You know, they really do like to do their work, get out there. Hopefully, you know, people will like it and rave about it, talk about it and all that. So when you do get, you know, Bill specifically, as you referred to, and, and Ben right in there as far as what, what this reminds them of and thinking that there may not be appear when it comes to the spectacular aspects of the golf course. Um, that says something, you know, it really does. And so no matter who's hyping it and how they're hyping it, when you get spokesmen like Bill and Ben that are saying we've never encountered a more spectacular site for golf, you know, that is tremendous because they've worked on some pretty spectacular sites themselves. And, uh, you know, I mean, starting with one of their very first triumphs was the plantation at Kapalua. So, you know, again, not not holes down by the sea there, but, you know, amazing views and topography. And from what it sounded like you're describing at this point, Hardy Golf Course on uh, Santa Lucia, um, you've got everything. You've got the elevated tees and the long views and the big, broad sweeps and panoramas. And you've also got golf holes that play down right next to the sea. And what a fabulous combination to have. So, you know, I mean, that's that's for starters. With Bill and Ben, you also know uh, from past experience, from the rankings, uh, that they're going to design a masterpiece. Uh, 
the again, the results practically speak for themselves. If you just look at top 100 lists, starting with the most spectacular modern golf course, Sandhills, um, but leading into their more spectacular oceanside kinds of ventures uh, or seaside, if you will. And, uh, you know, Cabot Cliffs comes to mind. Sheep Ranch comes to mind. Um and, and so forth. So then you start to get into the comparison game, which is inevitable. We all want to do it. You know, is the, I mean, remember when Matt Kuchar called Cabot Cliffs, that uh, 1617 area, the Cypress Point, you know, uh, favorably compares and so forth. So that will be fun once this course actually opens and people can can make those comparisons. Again, human nature is to get so excited about the new toy, the new kid on the block, and 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 scream and shout its praises. It's better than Cypress. It's better than Pebble. It's better than Old Head. Oh, we'll see. But it's so encouraging right off the bat, again, when you have measured, reasonable spokesmen like Bill and Ben saying, it's the best site we've ever had for golf. Yeah, and it may not even necessarily be that, you know, it's not that it's the best site for golf, but visually stunning in terms of a site where a golf course is, that may be the way to kind of distinct it. So, um, you know, there's also, you mentioned Kapalua, a lot of comparisons there, uh, the 18th hole at Point Hardy Golf Club in my head, I, I combined two courses there because it's a long, uh, well, not, not as long as Kapalua, certainly, but um, actually reachable downhill par five to end it. Um, and, and that way it reminded me of the finishing hole at um, Kapalua going the other way. And so Kapalua is kind of, the green is, off to the left and dangers left, everything's sloping that way. Uh, this hole bends to the right. Uh, you've got another bay, and then you've got a forced carry over to the green. So it was almost like a combination of the tee shot uh, on 18 at Kapalua and then uh, the eighth hole at Pebble Beach, where you cross over the bay arcing to the right to a green site. And that's a it's a cool finish. The stretch from 14 is insanely good in terms of the golf. You've got a 600-yard par 5 on the 14th. The drive plays blind to the rest of the hole. You crest the hill, and it's the first of the every hole from then on out is is on the ocean. Um, That one, into a prevailing wind, may not be reachable in three. That may be a four-shot hole. So that's a big one. Uh, 15 short par four blind tee shot kind of hit over the side of the ocean side cliff. Uh, very cool. There's a big bank of rocks. If, if you tail one left, you could carry them off the bank back into the fairway uh, for some relief there. 16, 17 back to back par threes. And then you've got that par five finishing hole. Um, again, all those right on the ocean. So really cool. Um, there. Go ahead. Were you going to say something? No, Al. I mean, I I think you just brought up a, a a very good point in terms of 
how the sequencing, how the routing wound up in addition to what the holes play like. And again, that's just one of those uh, Bill Core, you know, Ben Crenshaw sorts of things. Um, Tom Doak has embraced it. But, you know, we had a long time where every new golf course, especially real estate oriented, had to be a conventional par. 72, two par threes on each side, two par fives on each side, spaced properly according to textbooks. You don't want them too close to each other. You want to spread it out for variety. And uh, again, you know, Tom Doak did this, but, you know, Bill Coor and Ben Crenshaw uh, have have mastered the idea that it doesn't really matter what the final par is, what the final yardage is, what the sequencing is. If you have back-to-back par threes or back-to-back par fives or whatever you have, it doesn't really matter to them. What they're most concerned about is getting the absolute best golf holes on that property, however they fall. And typically with your sense of it all, you're going to get the variety that you need. If it's back-to-back par threes, it's not going to be 260-yard par threes, you know, in the same direction or so, whatever it is. I mean, they, they will have variety between the two. And so a 3-3-5 finish just sounds like Bill and Ben. And, okay. um, you know, that's what I that's what I was able to observe. Um, you know, I, I've spent a f- lot of time with both of those guys, but but some good time in the field. And I remember being with Bill Kaur in on Hainan Island, China, where they were doing their first course in Asia. And this was Shangshan Bay Golf Course, which did enter the world top 100 and, and even the world top 50. And um, and Bill had a situation, you know, where 15, 16 and 18 were all going to play as really short par fours. And so those critics that want orthodoxy would take him to task for that. And Bill was vexed about it. You know, the USGA always wants to, a big, healthy kind of second shot par four to finish or be in the mix uh, or some kind of risk reward par five where it falls. And again, it, it did cross Bill's mind, but he was most concerned with getting the very best golf hole in the spot that he could, in the best routing he could find. And if that's how it fell, that's how it fell. But you were playing a great golf hole, a scenic golf hole on the South China Sea and, you know, if it happened to be drivable or a drive and pitch hole, at least one was so different from the next and f- so different from from the one that followed. So, um, you know, that's just part of the experience and, and what, what you said about the finish. The routing, the sequencing uh, really hit home for me based on my memories of being with them. That's great. And yeah, 16 to to your point, 16 uh, 156 from the back tees, uh, downhill to a green, uh, and you can see your ball the whole way. 17 is 187 back tees, uphill, pretty much blind. Uh, both on cliffs, both on the ocean, uh, but again, very different holes that are going to be played. And 
There's five par threes at Cabot St. Lucia at Point Hardy uh, on four, seven, nine, and then 16 and 17. Um, and they're all remarkably different, but four of them are on the ocean. The one that's not is the biggest elevation change on the property um, from, well, from a one-shot perspective. Uh, and that one's the fourth hole. It's 213. We were playing at 160 because it's straight downhill. So still a very, very cool shot. Um, other things to think about, you know, it's going to be hard to play that course with one ball, a lot of force carries, a lot of water involved, a lot of wind. Um, you know, we played, we got to hit six tee shots and they were saying the wind was about 27 knots is how they put it. And that was as high as you'll see. There's never not any wind, but, um, most days it's not that high. Um, so, um, I guess, you know, in terms of core and Crenshaw, they want to be, you know, minimalize their impact on the land. It's kind of impossible with a site like this. They've got to do some big earth moving. So that's a little bit different, but the, their mark of, of being so good at what they do is most places you don't really recognize that. Um, it kind of, and that's the, the beauty and, um, and really fascinating thing is that how could you, how could you possibly have a golf course here? That's just how stunning it is, in my opinion. Uh, but still, the the holes though they look skinny on the the side of the the landscape are still pretty wide and forgiving. Um, this isn't a course that's going to get a crazy ton of play uh, every single year, but uh, the ones that do play it will enjoy it and be able to feel like they have somewhere to miss on those chances where you have to hit a seemingly heroic shot. There's more options than meet the eye in a lot of cases. So, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll hear more about it come December throughout the rest of the year as it keeps getting into shape. It's big on the list of, of new course openings this year. And we'll know more once the all the, the dust and the grass is green and, and ready to rock. So I hope to be able to see it again when it does open officially. But for now, it's much anticipated and for a very good reason. So, Joe, I hope you get the chance to go see it as well. And um, we'll put you up in the helicopter again to get there a little bit quicker. Al, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> It does sound, though, with the aesthetics that you're talking about and the de designers like Bill and Ben, that it's um, it is going to jump onto that uh, that bucket list of golf courses and and pretty high up as well. Yeah. So awesome. Thanks, Joe. Good to talk to you about this. We're going to lead into now my conversation with Trevor Dormer. Uh, again, hope you can stick around and listen to that entire episode uh, at some point or break it into pieces, whatever have you uh on that but uh he's an awesome guy he's got a really cool perspective and you know one of the great opportunities to work with Corin Crenshaw and learn from them so he has a, a lot to share well Al I I did have a chance to listen to your conversation yesterday and architecture fans are going to really relish your conversation but I must say, music fans are also going to enjoy 
your conversation with Trevor Dormer. So if you happen to be both, this is going to be one of your favorites. He does. He loves to listen to music when he designs golf courses and talks about that. So, um, all right, we'll tee it up here. Here's my conversation with Trevor Dormer. Well, Trevor, thanks for coming on the, the podcast with me and joining me today for conversation. Um, I know a, a lot of people in the industry are starting to, to learn your name more uh, as you get associated with a lot of these projects uh, with Gil and with Bill and Ben. Um, I'm hoping just first of all to talk about your, your background and how you got to be where you are today. Yeah, like... Um... <laughs> I really have no idea how I got here, to tell you the truth. Uh, you know, I, I make a joke how, you know, I barely passed grade two, you know. And, <laughs> you know, it, it's just funny where life takes you and, and the opportunities that come to you. And, and um, you know, it's, you know, just to find, you know, myself here in, in St. Lucia and, being associated with some of the best in the industry, I just pinch myself every day because it's like out there walking around with you guys the other day and just like seeing this course come together and being with my bosses, Bill and Ben and, and you know, everybody that's been out there, I was like, man, this is, this is pretty special to be, you know, a part of this. And sometimes you kind of get lost in the day-to-day -day grind of trying to make things happen. Um, so, but yeah, no, it's, it's been a, it's been a long road. You know, I've been in the construction industry since I was 18 and, um, golf course construction, um, was one of my first jobs out of high school was just laboring on a, a new construction course. And, you know, eventually you just kind of build your way up and into where, you know, what interests you, whether it's, you know, um, in the turf grass side of things or construction or the design end of things. And, my my way started off through construction and then eventually i let you know found a passion for golf course architecture and that's kind of what led me to um trying to be able to learn from the best in this industry like you know gil hans and jim wagner and bill and ben and my friends rob collins and tan king and all, all of those guys i just it's just fun to be able to like work with different design styles and philosophies yeah. and just the personalities of all of them. Like mm -hmm. it's just fun being around those guys that kind of just, you know, let you be creative and, and free, you know, when you're helping them build some of their courses. So, yeah. um, cool. yeah. So that's kind of a, a short, <laughs> short kind of answer to some of that, but sure. Um, you know, I think, you know, I was having a chat with uh, some of your colleagues and, you know, I, I think that the biggest thing for me is just being able to recognize opportunities that come forward and not being afraid to just go in and, and do it. And I'm, I'm lucky that I have a, a wife who's supportive and able to live the nomadic lifestyle of project to project and, you know, moving my children around from you know, place to place, country to country. And, um, you know, I think at some point we'll, we'll probably have to settle down in our little town of Kimberly, BC, and I'll probably have to do a little bit more travel myself, but 
right now it's working really good and we love it here in St. Lucia and it's there's a really good community of people out here for for me and my family aside from the golf course sure so we, we're we're pretty happy with all this so. yeah definitely where all of you lived um so in my early 20s um i did some work with uh, nicholas designs in russia um we did a project there um i've done some work in bahrain in the middle east uh, another course for european golf design um done some work with gil in thailand and and then bill and ben in in japan in yokohama um obviously here um and then when we were younger my wife and i we did some uh development work in africa so we spent some time in uganda and and uh uh worked worked with a, a development company that you know tried to help out some orphanages and help develop their properties and stuff like that. So, yeah, so a few, few places and- um, Like a lot of miles. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, my, before we had children, my wife and I were always trying to take offshoots and mm -hmm. go to different places, you know, different countries as, as we could, wherever we're at. And um, so, yeah, we've, we've got to do a lot of, you know, side, you know, side trips to different countries and stuff like that, so. Sure. We like traveling, but now I'm kind of at that point where I'm just really focused on hanging out and, um, you know, being, being kind of central to a, to a place and not jumping all over the place. So, yeah. Yeah. Sure. But you said here, and I didn't mention it specifically when we started recording, um, but for anyone who's going to listen, we're in St. Lucia, site of Cabot St. Lucia Point Hardy Golf Club and uh, spent past couple of days getting to check out the course here will open in December uh, of 23s is the target right now mm -hmm. um, I mean, what can you say about this place uh, you've been here it looked like you've been here since like March of 21 and yeah. back and forth I'm sure yeah um, yeah we moved here March of 21 and, and we we stayed out here for the first that first year and then I did a a little bit of work in back home in my hometown. Um, Bill and Ben are, are really good about us um, young guys. If we get opportunities to design our own projects, where you know um, you just cut, they just kind of say you got to do it, especially if it's in your hometown. So I had a little you know three four month four month project there. So I went back home and did that, and then I came back out here. So nice. uh, luckily we have really. A really good professional contractor out here on court golf that was able to hold down the fort and and make those really good decisions and keep moving things forward and and then um you know keith keith reb is out here as well helping so um yeah. you know so it's yeah it's been good but yeah this this place is it's pretty it's pretty epic you know like there's you know obviously i'm biased because we put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into these holes out here. And it's taken a long time. Um, and, you know, we've been beat down with some weather events and stuff like that. But, um, you know, the collection of holes out there are, are nothing short of amazing. Like, um, there's some really interesting shots out there. A lot of heroic shots, a lot of spectacular golf holes mm -hmm. um, for me, you know, more than I've ever seen in my, in my whole life. And I'm, out there every day and it it you know i every day i again pinch myself 
And right. I'm, wow, I'm, I, I, I have a hard time believing that I'll be on another site like this in my lifetime. Um, and I intend to do this for another 30 to 40 years, you know, as sure. long as I can. So um, it's a pretty special property that, you know, to be able to get that many holes and that much golf on the ocean and not just like a, uh, a mellow ocean. This is the, this is a wild Atlantic ocean. Yeah, um, totally. You know, and it, you don't want to bring comparisons to Cypress Point at all, but the, the, the wild nature of the, the waves and the ocean and the, the, the shoreline has some resemblance, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. You've seen some of those waves crash up on 17 and it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And it, so, goes, it goes back and forth, right? I mean, there's some places where you're right on the water and you dip your toe in if you wanted to. And there's others where you're 50 feet above everything. Yeah. Or more looking down at the whole, you, you can see nine, eight or nine holes from some of the upper holes that are up high, like from hole number two, there's, yeah, you can see everything from three T's. That's that, right. That's a spot where we like to go. My family and I, at, you know, on Fridays or Saturdays where we just go up there and hang out and have sundowners and, and just watch, you know, watch the sunset the opposite way, but it's a pretty special place. So yeah, yeah, we're having fun. That's cool. Well, and you're not the only one. I mean, I talked to, bill and ben both and you know bill says it's the most visually stunning place he's ever worked on ben was like like i don't know how i'm gonna or anyone's gonna be able to pay attention to golf when they're looking around the entire time yeah um so it's a big reason why a lot of people are excited about this place mm -hmm. um you know months before we're even set to open but even yeah. the other holes and i was I wasn't walking with you, but we came up on you guys on like 13 green where you're kind of strategizing what to do with that. Mm -hmm. um, and changing things on the fly, that was super interesting to be a fly on the wall for you guys talking about the process and then just taking everything into consideration, tinkering with it, it was really fun to see. But you know, like you said, it's very spectacular visually but i think that there's a lot of intrigue in the the holes that you know won't get all the pictures taking of of them mm -hmm. too like you talk about some of those the interior i guess holes you still see the ocean it's still very grand mm -hmm. um but maybe less pronounced yes. right away so what, what do you what do you see from those holes? Y yeah some of those holes are, are going to be very interesting like hole number 11 12 13 14, you make your way down to the ocean, to that really interesting green site on, on the edge of the ocean as well. Um, you know, hole two, you're way up high, but you got a really good visual of everything on the ocean and three, and then even four, you know, that's a, uh, you know, a longer, uh, par three that plays furthest away. You can't see any ocean from it, except for from the very back tee. Right. But, you know, it's, we, we tried to make those holes interesting and fun in their own right. They're a little bit of a, a breather for the, for those holes. It's kind of like, um, you know, it's part of the journey, you know, you don't, 
you don't necessarily want 18 holes on the ocean all the time. Like, mm -hmm. sure, that's all spectacular, but it, 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 even though they're, it's visually stunning and the golf could be good, the variety and the routing wouldn't be there. Yeah. So that's why it's so cool about watching Bill and Ben route this course. They go up and utilize the whole property and, and fit it all together. And, and um, you know, and it, it's, and then just adding the interest and in, to those holes, all the, the, the greens, you know, that's like Bill and Ben's wheelhouse, like one of the best putters ever to have lived. And then Bill Core, who, you know, he he has like built greens with, when he was younger with bigger equipment, but he's, you know, in his late seventies and he still loves to get dirty and, and spend time on a sand pro dragging off those greens. So, you know, all of us associates, we get them, get it close and then watch the magic happen. Yeah. And it is so fun watching Bill and Ben work together on things and, and, um, you know, put those interesting, you know, the, the top, you know, inch or two in a green. That's, that's the, one of the biggest parts of a putting surface. And that's where, you know, Bill and Ben are the best I've ever seen at it. Yeah. Um, you know, we, as, as their associates, we, we get it there. We try and get it as close as we can to think that Bill might like it. But he, he always loves to just get on a sand pro and feel the green and feel the contours. And um, it's pretty special to be able to see him do that work. Like, yeah. like you say, and then the thought process when we're, you know, they're giving us direction on how to shape those greens or those bunkers. Um, it's really cool to, to get, get out of them the, the vast years of knowledge and experience, which is what I'm just striving for i want i want to hear that from those guys that's like the main reason why i want to work with them is because i don't know how long they're going to be around for but right um to be able to get to work with them is is just a, it's a dream come true it's pretty sweet you touched on it but their process seems very collaborative and um you know sometimes maybe it's not spoken and when they're thinking about things and um I know an example when I was just listening to you guys, it's like, all right, do something with this. And it's not really a specific set of instructions, but they're kind of giving you that leash to use your creativity as well. And then they'll take it at yeah. a certain point, I guess. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's been times where, you know, um, to all of their, um, more senior associates and shapers, I'm sure they, I have no idea what to do with this green. Show us, give us something, right? There's, yeah. there's been times where they just have no idea and they're relying on the, you know, us to, to kind of give them something to start riffing off of. That's what I, that's how I kind of, you know, describe it. It's just riffing. It's mm -hmm. like a band playing and we're all just jamming and you don't know how good it gets until all of a sudden you're, you're all in sync. Yeah. And you're all feeling it and you, and you have that green and, and you know, you're playing a, an amazing song. Um, but I call it riffing. Like I, I don't even, a lot of times right now, I, I don't even think necessarily about the concepts of green. I mean, we think about water, 
and where where the green drains, how it you know how it gets off of it, um, putting all of those things in one. I usually do like a couple different versions. Sometimes I'll I'll just not even think I so I shape with music on yeah. and or I listen to a podcast or a book. And a lot of times I'm just, I'm listening to that book or to that music. And what I'm doing with the machine is just, um, I don't even necessarily think about it. Like, you know how if you're in a car and you're just driving down the road and all of a sudden you're like 40 miles down the road and you're like, oh man, I just totally forgot that last little bit of time. You just zoned right. out. Sometimes that's yeah. what happens when I'm doing some of these um some of these things but it, it kind of for me it's like it's it's very unconscious sometimes and sometimes it's conscious it's conscious when we get out of our machines we come back and look at it and then we want to work on specific areas yeah. but to get like the initial concept in place and and shape those edges and and contours in the green and and interesting quirky features within the green right you just you just kind of not zone out but you're like it, it, it just kind of happens mm. we don't even really think about it and then sometimes that's the best way to get something for bill to look at or ben to look at and then they can riff off of that and be mm. like oh trevor i like this that's horrible let's change that they would never say that's horrible <laughs> But they would say that's, you know, maybe bring that down or let's get rid of that. Sure. And then I do it. And then sometimes the green will sit for a long time and we'll come back to it after it's eroded a little bit. And then you're like, oh, well, yeah, I don't like this anymore. You know, Bill will be like, oh, well, let's change it. Or he'll be like, I thought the green was out here, not over here. And then it becomes another version of of the first thing. And that's, I think that's very rare. Yeah. Um, like I used to, like when I was younger in my twenties and early thirties, I, um, I built a lot of CAD golf, computer aided design plan based. The architect would show up at the start of the project and maybe once at the end or one in between, but we had to build it to plan, which was like why I, decided to either I was going to quit golf or I was going to try my hardest to work with the best in the industry that didn't do that. Sure. And for me, that was my, what I strived for. I wanted to do creative golf course design because that's what the best courses in the world. That's how they were built. If you think about the sure. top, top 100 golf courses in the world, how many of them are modern modern designs right the vast majority of them were built with you know a horse and a plow and no computers you know uh -huh. like it's all those old interesting lay of the land not a whole lot of dirt moved courses and those really appealed to me as like looking as a as a young guy just wanted to do something different and that's when i started making phone calls and emails to you know, the best firms in the world. And luckily, uh, Jim Wagner from Hands Golf Design Caveman, he wrote me back and uh, Dave Axlin from Corn Crenshaw, the rest of the, you know, 13 firms that I, that I contacted, 
they, um, I got robo emails or nothing. Right. So it was, it was kind of cool that those two guys picked out something in me or my letter or my email that, you know, thought that they could utilize something about me to help them on their projects. Yeah. That's so interesting. And it's, I don't know if you've uh, crossed paths maybe, uh, cause she's worked with Gil, Angela Moser has a remarkably similar story really about oh wow you know the same like she got a job was doing cad work was a cad monkey as they mm -hmm. say and it's like this is not at all what i want to do like mm -hmm. the creative element is sucked away in in that kind of setting and um yeah she felt like she was just digitizing someone else's work and it wasn't really anything of her own yeah that she could claim and um reached out to doke in kind of the same way and got yeah. done with them but um yeah I've, yeah I've i've never met angela but i i respect um i respect her story and 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 where she is today yeah like obviously we're all part of a tight-knit knit group of you know aspiring golf architects and shapers and we all are doing following that path of shaping and designing, which is, I think the best way to go mm -hmm. um, now it is, but yeah, I really respect um, Angela's path and, and, and where she is, um, especially being in, you know, a, a, a guy's industry. Right. Um, and she, she gained a lot of respect from a lot of, um, you know, a lot of guys in our industry and that that's got to be extremely tough to do because mm. um it's it's a rough one you know it's rough being around a bunch of you know construction guys all the time you know and, sure. and and she did it she's she's doing really good i'm excited to see what she gets into at um at pinehurst and and um yeah i'd love to meet her one day and, and, and chat golf so for sure yeah um what music do you listen to Oh man, I listen to everything. Um, I listen to a lot of old country, um, and I listen to um, like some hard, harder stuff. Um, some Norwegian death metal. Sometimes I wow. listen to. Um, I, I really like classical music as well. Um, and I like uh, not so much electronic but some like old like daft punk you know like yeah. I like I like some of that stuff that has some good you know beats to it um but yeah like any anything where that those people are doing are definitely passionate about what they do you know like those those bands that have stuck together for a long time like red hot chili peppers mm -hmm. some of their music i'm not into but they have a 10 they've got a they've been doing it forever and they're very talented yes. and like Coldplay, you know, like I'm not, I don't have their albums, but I respect what they do. Anybody that's passionate about what they do and, and that are very talented at what they do. Um, yeah, I just, I, I'm, I'm constantly like on my phones, like what's, what's new. Um, and I, I guess I kind of more stick to like older country, like, and like kind of newer stuff, like, you know, Sturgill Simpson and Chris Stapleton. And um, there's a Canadian, a good old Canadian boy called Coulter Wall. I like, okay. he's got some really good, 
good stuff. Um, and, you know, just live music. And even here in, here in uh, St. Lucia, you get a lot of good reggae and Afro beats and stuff like that. And you get a lot of different, different varieties of music, mm. but, um, yeah, I'm all over the board there. <laughs> I was going to say, do you have like a specific example where you talked about shaping something to, to music that kind of inspired you? Is there like a song associated with one green? I, not necessarily out here, but have you had any like specific, like this was inspired by? Yeah, yeah. There's a, uh, you know, it's kind of funny that you say that because like sometimes I'll get on like, I haven't listened to any um, Biggie Smalls or Notorious B.I.G. for a long time. And all of a sudden something will kick up and I'll start going through his albums. And so like on a, on a certain hole, I'll just be listening to like 90s hip hop. Yeah. And, you know, that'll be kind of the theme on that hole that because I'm stuck into it for, you know, for a couple of weeks at a time or... You know, um, uh, like all of a sudden I'll hear this song from the 1990s from when I was 14, like a, a band called I Mother Earth, you know, that you remember them? I don't know if you remember them. No, no. You'll probably remember their song, but then you start listening to some of their albums and it's like you go through them all or, or um, you know, some some old punk music from the, the 90s. That's another Right. You know, the genre that I really like is punk music. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like sometimes when you find something and then you just kind of go through that genre for like weeks on end and then all of a sudden you get tired of it and you like switch, yeah, yeah. you know. Gotta go to something else. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. But it's a big part. Music and um, audio books for me are a big, um, are a big thing when I, when I shape and I get time to sit on a machine and I'm, you know, sometimes in the beginning you get days and days where you're just on a machine, but then it kind of turns into like, you have to help coordinate projects and you're jumping off a machine and going and looking at other stuff. So you're constantly running around the site. So you only get maybe four hours or five hours of the day on a machine. But, um, audiobooks have been really good for me. I, I'm, I really like uh, native American history and, um, so I've been I've been listening to a lot of a lot of stuff about the the Native American tribes of where I grew up. So wow. that's been cool. That's, um, yeah, it's super interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you do it when you travel. And we kind of we touched on this before we started um, that you are a very talented uh, sketch artist, and uh, <laughs> so much so that you've uh, been a finalist. And I feel like I. I've read this before. It feels very, very inside golf, but uh, there's a competition for, um, it's called the Ray Haddock Lido Prize. Yeah. And you submitted a sketch for that one as a finalist for that, um, at least in 2020, from what I could tell from your mm -hmm. Instagram. Um, and then you spend a lot of time sketching on uh, the back of barf bags yeah. and on planes, yeah. which is so cool. Um, how did you, have you always been a, a drawer and just, you know, no, yeah. no, I haven't. Honestly, wow. um, I have not. I, I was, 
I still have a long way to go, obviously. I, I just, I remember being frustrated because I had all these ideas in my head about sketching and then doing like, um, like routing plans, or I wanted to get my vision out on paper from like a lot of times you go to these clubs in Canada and you'd be doing some renovation work. And sometimes I wouldn't have an architect and they're like, well, what do you think about here? Can you draw me something up? And I'd give them an old Jack Nicholas napkin sketch. And that just wouldn't suffice without a big name behind my, <laughs> behind my first name. Right. So, sure. so I remember being frustrated that I couldn't, I couldn't get it out. So I started working on it. I started really trying hard to um, figure out how to get perspective right. And, and then all those old um, plans from, from like Donald Ross, from William Flynn, from Mackenzie. And I started like really studying those and how they kind of illustrated them and how they, you know, made them, you know, uh, uh, how they just got their ideas out onto those plans. And so I started just working at it. And I reached out to a bunch of bunch of guys who are talented artists like uh, Mike Cocking from OCM. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he gave me some really good feedback. And, and, um, you know, obviously, I'm a huge fan of Don Plasic from Renaissance. Um, he's, he's been he's been instrumental to a lot of us young architects. Um, everybody that I talk to is like, have you seen what Don Plasic does? And we're just like, oh man. <laughs> um, and I did, I did visit their office, um, after on their way back from Cabot Cliffs and I got to see some of the stuff on the wall and, and met with Don and, and he's a gentleman and I hope to meet him again soon at some point. But, um, so I just started working on it, you know, and, and, and then I realized that we were going into a bit of a digital age. And so I started working on Photoshop and just, you know, some of the winters in Canada, you know, I, I you get some time. So, right. so just time. And I basically, you know, taught myself how to, um, just learn Photoshop and very slow process because I didn't, I was too stupid to take lessons or get somebody to teach me. I just kind of learned it all myself. So how I work my, my sketches now is I do a lot of my, um, line drawings by hand. I still really like working out ideas by hand and then I scan it and then work out all the, um, all the peripherals and stuff digitally. Mm. Um, and that's kind of how my, my, uh, process goes. But, um, and then the Lido, that's always been one of those things, you know, you just hope to get, you know, win that prize. And, you know, I did one in, oh, I did one entry, and I, I'm not sure what it placed. I think it was, I think it was like in the top 10 or something like that. It might've been in, oh, 2016 or something like that. And then this 2021, um, I did it because I knew I was gonna have my name on uh, a, a project as the, uh, as a co-designer and a designer. Mm -hmm. And once that happens, then you're technically not allowed to enter in that. So I just- Got it really focused on this idea that I had and it was based off of um, uh, Mackenzie's El Bocaron course in Argentina that was never um, never materialized never happened but I was with those uh, with those contests 
they always take just one hole. It's a fantasy hole. There's no, how, how does that lead into the next hole? How does that, where did it come from? It always frustrated me because you can always build these, you can always sketch these standalone golf holes. Mm-hmm. But in that um, entry, I just wanted to show its relationship into the routing that I had for, for my fantasy course and how it had a double green system for all the greens yeah. and nine massive greens and, um, and just how it incorporated that whole thing. And so, you know, in there it shows the green site for the par three, but it shows how it, it comes back into it um, from the other holes in the routing. So I thought that was kind of cool. But Did you lay out the whole course? Or were you just yeah. like, I can't do this unless I do it the entire thing? Yeah, so that's it was a it was a it was a exercise to kind of keep myself fresh for when um, you know a, a client asked me to look at a property and and there's a routing exercise for me. So what I do is I find I've got a few places in the world that have um, really good dunes and topography. Yeah, and I always go to this place and on Google Earth and I look at all of this stuff. And then I think I, I can't even find the place where I last time looked at these places where a cool green site might be because it's just so vast and expansive. Mm-hmm. So every time I go back to this place, I'm at a different spot and now I'm forced to work a routing out of that whole area again. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so it keeps me, it's like sandhills. How, if, if Bill and Ben never had a starting place, or there was no infrastructure and you just place a golf golf holes out there, there's hundreds and hundreds, right? Of and ways to do it. Of yeah. ways to do it and how to fit really good golf holes in there. And they, they did a hundred and something holes already, right? Right. But, um, so that's kind of how I, that's, that's an exercise that I go to every once in a while to just kind of figure out how I link holes together. And, and, and it was part of that, uh, that, topography for my Lido um, entry was real topography on a, on a, in a, on a duny kind of site. Um, so, so that's kind of how to do it. And then, you know, the barf bag sketches. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, those things are, they're, they're fun. You know, I, I just remember sitting on the plane and, and my friend Rob Collins actually, um, I remember him doing it on like, um, the magazines that you get and he just write, you know, he's scribbling all over these things and put it. And I was like, so I kind of rip, ripped that idea off from him, but I know he won't mind, mind me doing <laughs> that because him and I are good pals, but, um, yeah, I just started doing it and, um, you know, no rhyme or reason. There's no way that like, I don't care if it works. I don't really care if it's, you know, totally wrong or whatever it's just kind of one of those things to keep your mind um you know i guess just occupied with with that on on the plane because you got time on a plane and you can only watch so many movies sometimes so um and then yeah like we talked about some 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 people reached out to me wanting to uh to buy them and i'm like there's no way i can sell these to you i feel bad taking money for for this i don't necessarily consider it art but um so like i like i said i said hey i'll just ship you this but you know make a donation to a first tee 
um, program or, or just get a, a young kid into, into golf somehow mm-hmm. and pay whatever you want to pay. And, uh, yeah, a couple guys did it and, um, yeah, I think maybe on the next one, I'll put it out there and just see how it all, how it all works. So, yeah, but. That's, so, that's so cool. I know like that Instagram and, and Twitter is Twitter kind of like a, just a glimpse and surface level about so on. So I wanted to ask you about that because yeah. it seemed like there might be a good story behind it. That's, so that's, that's really cool. Um, just want to touch on a couple of other projects that uh you've been a part of or are going to be a part of the first time we met was at cabinet revelstoke hmm. another property yeah. in british columbia and much closer i don't know how far that is from kimberly but it's three hours okay yeah it's like three and a half i think yeah Given so it. um <laughs> are you excited how much are you excited about that place and um, the potential there yeah i'm super excited for um you know, Rod, Dave, and, and Keith to get going. I think they're going to do a fantastic job. And they got Ben Cowan-Dewer um, backing them every way um, that he can. Um, it's a pretty interesting site. Um, what I've said is that I, I, I'm not sure if I'll be able to make it onto that site, but mm-hmm. these guys are so kind that I can, you know, they've made it known to me that I can just show up and they'll put me to work for however long, wherever, when, doesn't matter. Um, they're so good. Like they're all my friends. That's the, that's cool. the crazy thing. Like I, I talk to these guys, you know, at least once a month, if not every couple of weeks. And um, they're so kind and generous um, that way to just leave an open door for me to come out there. Um, and so like, I'm, I'm pretty booked up with, uh, with Bill and Ben for another project. So, I just said, if I can make a cameo appearance there, I would be, you know, more than happy to, to come give you guys a hand and to be at all a part of that project. So, yeah. and it, you know, it's close to my home and, and, um, it's, it's going to be something special as well. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, like, uh, obviously I met you out there when you guys came out there and I, I hadn't seen the project. And, uh, yeah, they invited me to come up and take a look and I got to hang out with you guys a little bit and yeah. do some mountain biking and <laughs> walk uh, the site. Do that, but yeah. yeah. Um, it's a cool site. Yeah, it is. It's very cool. Um, and you know, like in, um, moving forward, like, um, you know, it's still pretty new, um, right now, but Bill and Ben, their project in the Bahamas, yeah. um, we're just kind of getting, getting going on that right now. Torch so. K. Yeah, torch key, key is how they say it. like the Oh, I see. Like yeah. so the Florida it, key I, it I did the same C-A-Y, yeah. but it's yeah. Yeah, okay. torch key. So Good to know. Um yeah, so um you know that you know um you know Bill and I made a trip out there a few weeks ago and and you know it's it's going to be pretty special too. Um it's it's got a lot of um interesting topography and and it's, you know, there's going to be some holes on the ocean as well. And, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're just kind of getting going. So, um, you know, um, Jim Barger from Encore Golf is, is doing some stuff out there. So I'm just kind of getting things started and, and that's probably where I'll end up at mm-hmm. once I'm finished here in St. Lucia. So, yeah. When um, you talk about like a site being exposed, I mean, it's like, you see like the videos or images of it it's very like 
thin strip in the middle of crystal blue water. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that I, it's obviously completely sand underneath too, I would assume. So really good. Yeah. Like for it. there, it, you'd be a little bit surprised. Um, the, the water around the property is just like you've never seen. Yeah. Like, of, of all the places I've been in the world, you know, there's only one place that kind of compared to that was when I was in Madagascar and there's just a tiny little island out there that had water kind of like that, but not everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so of course that's like one of the things that's gonna be interesting about the project is being on that water. Um, but the, you know, the ground is, is gonna take some manipulating and it's, it's not all sand dunes, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's gonna be pretty good. You know, good. we just got, we're obviously early days, so I don't have a whole lot of information on it. But um, sure. But yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for that one. Um, and then yeah, it's just it's just day to day. I'm gonna try and work with with Bill and and Ben, and then as as much as I can. And then you know, I I really enjoy working with Rob uh, Collins and Tad King. They're they're good friends of mine. Yeah. So they've they've been great with you know keeping an open door for me as well to come out and and see them for five days to a month they always say i don't care if you you know come out for five days we'd love to get you out here so they've been pretty gracious where do you work with them um i've done some work with them at landman okay so i did uh like a 10-day a trip out there and and got to hang out with them and build a few greens and, and work on one of their one of their holes with them and meet all the guys and then i helped them out um on their project in memphis uh, overton park mm -hmm. um and for a little bit um so yeah it's always fun like they got a great crew as well and um what's cool about you know um i i kind of talked about this is just being able to work with different philosophies and different ideas because you know i think that there's a danger, not a danger, I, I shouldn't say that's the wrong word, but if you tend to work in the same philosophy and with the same guys, you, you kind of get into like a, an, a little bit of an echo chamber, mm -hmm. you know? Sure. So, you know, that's one thing that I really want to try and make sure is I love working with Bill and Ben and, and I'll do that as much as I can um, and as much as they'll have me. Um, but, you know, if there's any space where, you know, there's a break in between. I'll I'll go and try and, you know, help Rob and Tad out, or go meet up with Dave and Rod and Keith and John and and those guys. Um, and you know, there's a few other guys that I'd love to collaborate with and and help out with, just so you get a wide variety of ideas and concepts and styles and and stuff like that. And it's only going to help me as I move along in my career to kind of, you know retain some variety in in my philosophy i guess so cool yeah so yeah yeah when you're not on the golf course um i know a lot of your pictures are with your, your family exploring nature um what do you guys like to do what are and what are some of your favorite spots and um obviously a lot of cool places in canada but where else have you been with your family off the course that's you really enjoyed yeah, I mean, um, 
you know, we've been, I've been so lucky with my wife. She's, she's a go-getter and she's not, not afraid to take our kids to wherever. I mean, like we backpacked around Vietnam, Northern Vietnam in like their winter, you know, with my two young boys that, you know, were barely, well, they're walking, but they're not mm-hmm. very mobile. Um, you know, we've been kind of all over Thailand while I was working, my wife would get on a plane and go fly to those little islands with my two boys and go to different islands and beaches and then be back for, um, the weekend when I get off work. Um, Mm. but I, I really like, you know, as I kind of am more away from Canada, it just kind of goes to show like where we've set our roots in, in our town in British Columbia. That's where I want to be. We have such a good community of friends there. Um, obviously, I, I, my, one of my passions is fly fishing um, and ski touring um, and hiking and mountain biking and all of those things and, and camping and trekking and all that stuff. And so, you know, I want to be able to raise my children up doing those things and having those struggles and being able to like, um, you know, fend for themselves and survive if they, you know, end up out in the woods somewhere, you know, I want, I want, I want to kind of make sure that we get back to that. Because honestly, these, these, my boys have been out here in St. Lucia for a long time and now they're, they're getting climatized here. So they're, they're to the point where they get out of the ocean and they're shivering now. (laughs) And it's like, we're in, you know, we're in, oh my goodness. And they're shivering. I'm like, oh my goodness, kids, you got to get back to Canada and (laughs) start throwing you in rivers, glacial rivers. So, um, so yeah, we, we like that. My wife is a a yoga instructor and, and used to own a yoga studio. So once my kids get a little bit older, I know that we'll probably start that up again and, and she can have do that and run that. Um, yeah, lots of outdoor stuff is, is, is where we like to be. There's one thing that really, when you, you get into your work and you, you got so much things to do and not enough time. And then when you get time away from that, um, or I found the most, um, uh, I guess time to like rejuvenate your soul is, uh, is in the mountains for me where you don't have your phone. You can go up and hike to a mountainside and, and just try and get back to where like our ancestors did, you know, Mm -hmm. our ancestors, I think it's in our, our DNA to get away from all of this stuff and people and, lights and um, technology and I do notice a massive difference when I come out of you know a four or five day weekend you know hiking around the mountains and just being able to see creation and um, places where there's not another human being or anything man-made it's it's pretty pretty interesting and I notice that for you know my mental health and my physical well-being and you come back and you're, you feel like alive and, and rejuvenated. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's beneficial. And that super, I, I agree. I think that's going to be amazing for your kids to already kind of have that, mm-hmm. that baseline, um, yeah. especially with how prevalent, you know, technology is and yeah, just get away from that. Yeah. It's really good. Exactly. Um, Last thing for me, I, golf architecture can be like almost like a second language sometimes, right? And yeah. It's 
unless you're really diving into it, it can be difficult to understand for, for some people. Um, on your, go back to your Instagram, uh, you say you're, I'm just reading this straight, proponent of organically hewn golf architecture. Yeah. What does that mean? It's, it's something that, um, it's, it's kind it's kind of hard to explain. Um, it, it comes from like a very basic simplistic standpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that golf courses, golf courses should stand out, um, way above its surrounding landscape. So I try my hardest to, to merge and replicate the ground and the contours and to be able to play golf over that field, mm -hmm. but not have it be like overwhelming compared to the surrounding land around it. So it's very, um, for me, it's like, steps, small steps at a time. I don't ever rush into, um, you know, the shaping exercises without carefully thinking about what we're going to do. A lot of times it's just, you got to clear off the, the vegetation. Um, sometimes it's like, you got to make some bigger moves, but to make it to merge in there to where you can play golf through this natural landscape that merges perfectly into the surrounding um, areas around each golf hole. And it's, it's, it's like, it's like a process of, you know, sculpting, right? Like mm -hmm. it's not, you're like not taking big chunks off of it. It's just little things at a time. Um, and then, yeah, if you need to take off a big chunk that hasn't been done, then you got to know when to do that. But it's very, um, a very organic process mm -hmm. like very um like we take we take a lot of time looking at plant species um, native grasses um when we go and clear through a fairway we don't take all the trees even though we know it's going to be in a landing area mm -hmm. or right off the the tee if it's a good tree or a really interesting tree um, we leave it until the last possible moment. Cause sometimes you might want to move the fairway over and around that if it works. Yeah. So there's so many things that like, it's very, it's a very, um, I guess a conscious approach. And then, um, you know, it's just, yeah, the, the hewn process of it. Like, you know, that's, it's just, it's, it's hard to explain. I don't know. It makes sense in my head. Organically <laughs> kind of sounds cool. It does. It's like, the, yeah. it's like the worst, uh, like for me, you know, I'm, I'm horrible at, you know, promoting myself. So it's like, <laughs> oh, well, this is maybe something I should do, but it, it, to me, it makes sense. And it's something that I can, like, it's organically human. It comes, it comes from, you know, comes from a very, like uh, small, spot or a, a simple starting point mm -hmm. it's never like okay we're gonna do get in there and build this up and i don't want to overwhelm the landscape i want the golf to be a little bit underwhelming with some 
really quirky, interesting features that people are going to notice. Sure. Um, and a, a lot of what I try and do is think about the psychological side of what the golfer is going to experience. So I think about how the golfers, like here in, in Cabot St. Lucia, there's a, the, the way up tee on 15. Yes. When you're driving that, uh, the fisherman's uh, path, well, it's a cart path now. Uh-huh. And then there's a big ridge before you get to that tee. Well, it never used to be there. And you used to be able to see 15 green and 16 green from way back down that path. Straight away. So you're like, you just all of a sudden it reveals itself. But I wanted to think about, okay, well, now you get around this ridge blocks it now. Mm-hmm. So now you get to 15 T and then you, it opens up and you're like, wow. And then off the back of um, 15 green, there's a little roll that goes down into 16. Mm-hmm. When you're standing on the putting surface, I wanted to try and think about keeping the golfer focused on 15 green and putting and not looking forward to 16 green because everybody's going to want to go play that hole and anticipating it. Right. So then when you're on that putting surface on 15, it kind of stops you from thinking about that. And so now you get over and then it reveals itself again. So there's a lot of those things where, want the golf architecture to be um, interesting but not overwhelming Mm -hmm. so that's something that I'm very conscious of sometimes bunkers can get too wild too crazy and um, you know so I want to stay a little bit below that line sure yeah no it (coughs) I thought it made sense to me uh, and I just wanted to get your perspective on it. So that's, that's great. I'm glad you gave the um, examples here too, because it's a really good point about 15. I didn't feel like um, I wasn't peaking at 16 yet. And you can't really, from the putting surface, you can't really see the green site until you crest the right the back of the green. Yeah. Um, and that's an amazing stretch of holes. From 14 on is, you know, yeah, one of the best stretches I've seen, and and in, that in a row. Like yeah, that. you're you're right. It is, and it's and it's it's a very conscious thing. Like golf course architects think about how a golfer is going to traverse the land and what they're going to feel and their emotions. And there's a lot of stuff that we do out there that golfers will subconsciously be attracted to, but they won't know why. And that, that's like where the fold offs on the edge of the greens go down. Well, why did, why did you do that? It's not pinnable. Yeah. Well, it's because you're showing off the sexy. Uh-huh. You're trying to, um, you're trying to showcase the, the curves of that green. That's what I, I love about it because if it's in rough, you don't really get a, or if it's in fairway, you don't really get that, um, that visual that us golf nerds love, you know, and, and, you know, there's, there's, but golfers won't realize that some golfers won't realize it, but they'll know that it, it'll appeal to them, but they won't, it's a subconscious thing. Sure. All those contours that we try and highlight are like, sometimes there's a lot of stuff that golfers subconsciously are attracted to, but that's conscious for us. There's a lot of that stuff that we do out there that I could go through hole to hole 
on any of any of the holes that I've built and I'll I can go through that other facet not even having to do with strategy there's a huge thing that no I don't know if I mean I'm sure guys talk about this but it's the psychological side of thinking how to get a golfer to be you know um, excited about something giving give them a little gimme to get to a green like I think about miss hits around the greens when I'm building greens more than from the approaches mm -hmm. like where they're taking their shot into the green I think about okay this guy missed the green or this lady missed the green they're off here all all sides of those greens I think about consciously as part of the putting surface and some areas are going to be a, a emotional roller coaster compared to others, good and bad. And then you think about it, well, did I do that in any of the previous holes? And then you try and make sure that there's more variety. So, okay, well, if I did the kind of the cool, there's like strategy and contour in the ground. Did I do that too many times? I got to cut it out, change it in the, in the physical realm and then there's the psychological realm of did i is this the same emotion that i tried to give that golfer previously or is it coming up um i don't know if that's making sense it, but yeah no it, it's such a good way to describe your industry that people don't realize yeah because it's you know that's the like you're kind of saying is the intention to that's like it. I thought all about all this for the people that are going to come play it and whether they're that in tune with that or not, it's in a microcosm. That's, that's your work. That's your art. Mm -hmm. But they'll hit these, they'll hit these, um, these notes without even realizing how they hit these notes mm -hmm. playing golf. Um, they'll get these, you know, dopamine hits without even knowing and that's honestly what I've focused on is trying to to get that golfer to just be like get onto the green and they crest the green and they're putting out and all of a sudden you move to the back right of the green you're like wow look at this yeah so you don't give them you don't and Bill does that with his routings all the time you don't you don't bring golfers to the ocean keep them on the ocean as long as you can and then get them up into the woods Right. You want to get them there. You want to get them away. Bring them back and forth, and and how you would traverse that land in a in a you know in a in a journey in a walk. Yeah. But there's so many, so much of that psychological, emotional thing that I've I've really started to, you know, it's it's it's, it's I think about it on the same level as strategy and contour, mm -hmm. and. I think it's, um, it's made, you know, hopefully it's made the courses that I've helped out on better. And I, and even I can see it like when people come up and walk and, and see this and they go, wow, I'm like, oh, yes, I got it. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, look at that. Perfect. Oh man, look at this little cool little shot. And that's, what's great about seeing Ben, mm -hmm. you know, when he hasn't seen something that we built. You know, it's like, oh, I love that little guy, the little contour down on the right or something. Yeah. You know, so even that, like, you know, we're, oh, I think Ben might like this, you know, and then he does like it. 
and it's it's cool when you hit those. That's awesome. So, yeah, man. Thank you. That, that that's really, really, in to go inside your brain a little bit. That's that's. Yeah, it's a scary place. It's, it's a scary place. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time. Um, yeah, no. We talked an hour. Oh, about like five minutes. Yeah, I've just been blabbing the whole time. That's great. <laughs> well, thank you, Al. Yeah. Um, I appreciate it. You know, it's it's awesome to talk to you. And yeah, the more time we get to spend with you, it's always good and, and fun. And I enjoy your insight and, and, and your thought process and your um, how you're experiencing the stuff that we do out there, too. That's It gives me a lot of um, insight. And, and uh, yeah, it's sure. very good. It's my pleasure completely. So. Cool. Cool, man. Thanks a lot. Right on. Thank you.